What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 38 of Mendoza Line. I am your host, Cam, and I am joined by the the wizard, the guru, the Dalai Lama of baseball knowledge, <laughs> the one and only Nicholas Coates. What's up, man? Cam, it's good to be with you again. How are you this evening? Uh, I feel like I'm much more rested than you are. How are you, sir? Yeah, I've... I, uh... <clears throat> we had a our second daughter this week, so very exciting. Josephine came on Wednesday very early in the morning, so there's been a yeah a little bit of lack of sleep, but definitely have to shout out my wife, Lauren, who has been a trooper and is the one that most of the time, pretty much all the time, gets up with there through the night at this stage. But yeah, we're adjusting to that. It's been really good, and it's been a good excuse in the evenings to relax and watch a little baseball and show her show her the ways of uh the greatest sport on earth and um yeah she's since she's been born uh the reds have only lost just a few games instead of you know the thousands that i that i've watched in my lifetime so she's had a net positive effect on the universe is what you're saying in her early days well in general i would say yes um (laughs) the reds are I think three and fourteen since the All Star break. So overall, Yikes. there's not a lot of positive momentum going there. But she, yeah, she experienced her first Reds win in her lifetime today. So that's always exciting. But, <clears throat> but yeah, doing well. Excited to be here. It's a beautiful. It's been a beautiful weekend here. Low humidity, which is always nice. The end of July, but yeah, hard to believe we're almost to August. I know summer's almost over. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, you don't like summer, don't you? No, I spend as much time in my basement as possible when it's summertime. Most mostly recording podcasts. Yeah, I don't know. like the oppressive heat and humidity that we run into this time of year, and always enjoy the the crisp, the first you know day where you get that crisp breeze. That uh, I'm a big fall fan as well. I mean, summer's nice because of the source i mean i work in education so we have a slower schedule so that's nice but it's tough to beat fall and um baseball pennant races football starting school starting and uh yeah generally the uh the nice fall evenings where you can be outside and not getting eaten alive by bugs that's always nice too Mm. preach (laughs) but you know who does enjoy summer there's all these yahoos that we call Major League Baseball players, and some of them will be enjoying the rest of the summer uh, in other locations. But before we get to those folks, I think there's some uh, news that needs to be discussed. Is that correct, sir? Yes, in uh, Major League Baseball, there's always news. Off topic, that was a professional segue into the meat of the show. But Oh, thank you. Hey, bada, 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 so we bada. Yeah, so we are we are less than 24 hours from the Major League Baseball trade deadline. So there are no shortage of deals, some more impactful and newsworthy than others. We we covered the big ones last week and since then we've had several trades, but I would say none as big as the um, Jose Quintana and um, 
Robertson and some of the bigger trades that we had a couple weeks ago, J.D. Martinez. Um, as far as the quality of player um, that's being acquired and the, the prospects going the other way. But yeah, we've, we have several um, in the last week that we're going to touch on and just maybe make note of the impact and uh, for those teams moving forward. But there are a few rumors still ongoing um, sur- surrounding some uh, pretty important players. We'll see over the next <clears throat> uh, day or so what players end up being moved. Um, as we get closer, um, oftentimes they can begin to spur some action. So, um, so yeah, just briefly, um, we'll cover in uh, the last week um, some of the some of the noteworthy trades. We don't need to spend a ton of time, but one of the the first ones um, going back to last Saturday. No, it was last Monday. Um, the Royals and Padres made a trade. Uh, the Royals got. Um, some pitchers from the Padres, most notably Trevor Cahill, who's a starting pitcher, um, kind of a journeyman, and Brandon Marr, a relief pitcher. Uh, so the Royals are kind of back in it here. They have they were on a nine-game win streak, and they lost last night, but then they ended up winning today. So they took two or three from the Red Sox at Fenway, which is impressive. So the Royals are right back in it and playing really well right now. So... <clears throat> they have they have added some pieces, nothing major, but definitely, you know, they were noted as having, you know, they've got several guys like Hosmer and Kane, Moustakis that are, their deals are running out here. So people wondered if this time of year, if they weren't in the race, if they would be some of the bigger sellers because they have some important rental pieces, but they're going to, they're going to go for it and try to ride out the magic. Well, yeah, they're. They're only two games out of the division, and they are two and a half games up in the wild card. So, I mean, they're in the playoffs with the chance of cementing it over the coming weeks if they can surpass that two-game gap against Cleveland. So, yeah, it makes sense that they're trying to uh, bolster their roster instead of, you know, making way for, for Tampa or Seattle to take their spot. Yeah. So, And as, you know, we've seen, and I think <clears throat> if you follow baseball and you've seen these trades – um, the buy, I mean, it's definitely been a buyer's market and, you know, we saw JD Martinez and some others, players that are rentals who are only there for two months, just aren't really getting anything in return. So I think the Royals trading, even though, you know, you look at Eric Hosmer and Moustakas, those are the same quality of players that JD Martinez, maybe even a little less, you know, you're not going to get pieces that are worth, um, trying to do a rebuild now when you can actually, just keep those guys together and go for it. And <clears throat> if need be, offer a qualifying offer in the offseason. If you lose them, you get some draft pick compensation. But um, they got to go for it now. If those players leave, they're going to have to rebuild anyways. They um, The updated top 100 list for MLB.com came out last week. MLB or Baseball America's top 100 came out a couple weeks ago. And the Royals are one of those teams that don't have any players on those lists. So they're going to have to go through a pretty extensive um, rebuild and re-establishing their farm system. So, yeah, I mean, if you're at the point that they're at, might as well go for it and hope to hit the ma- you know hit some magic in October. So they traded away while well, the the Padres are continuing their just 
um, rebuild, and they got a few. They got their descent into double A. <laughs> yeah, which they've. I mean, they've they've been five game better than the Reds this year, so they're they're not too terrible. But they got back uh, Travis Wood, um, legend Travis Wood from the Cubs last year, who would play right or left field occasionally um, in his relief appearances when Joe Madden was, you know, using his creative abilities, but that was more of a salary dump. He's been pretty terrible this year. So um, the Royals were able to offload his contract, and uh, they gave up Matt Strom, who maybe in the long term, he was one of the Royals' top prospects, but he may be more of a reliever in the long term. But this gives him a chance to continue to develop. And then uh, a, a player in rookie ball who is very young, so long way away from the majors. But, um, yeah, well, the Royals are hoping that Cahill can provide them a semi-competent starting pitcher, which is questionable. And he was lit up in his first start against the Red Sox this weekend. And Brandon Marr is a, you know, decent bullpen piece. But, you know decent trade for the Royals to be able to get a few major league pieces and help um, without having to give up too much. Yeah. And as someone who does live in Kansas city, uh, you know, a uh, Tigers fan in dispersion to use a biblical term. uh, It is always interesting to see uh, how much people care or don't care about the Royals here. Depending on how Uh, good they're doing. Well, but more, more, more interestingly, how quick they are to just say, "Ah, screw it," and just stop. <laughs> well, that's so. Like when they when they made the World Series two years in a row, um, you know, Royals fever was you know in 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 high swing, and you couldn't you know sell enough Royals gear. And then, you know, the next season when they were you know not in the World Series. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like you know last season when the, when the Cubs were you know winning the whole shebang, the the sellouts disappeared, and the Royals gear everywhere disappeared, and the you know the easy uh, come easy go just yeah the the general zeitgeist of this you know part of the country was just like oh okay when did the Chiefs start again, um and it's just hysterical to me that an entire city across two states with no other major baseball team within four hours, and that being the, the, the lowly Cardinals. And then you're eight hours from Chicago and Dallas and Colorado. Like, it's the only, like, major city that matters, and, and I don't even know if that's true or not, but I'm going to say it does because I live here. Um, and the willingness that, that the majority of people here have to just kind of throw the Royals back under the bus the second they aren't winning World Series is shocking to me. Well, we live in a culture of low attention spans. Well, and I, I think it's partially too because they just they've been so bad for so long. Yeah, and like the the status quo is you don't make the playoffs, and then oh the aberration is you do, and holy crap they won a World Series. But even that World Series got them like <laughs> a quarter of a season of yeah. love. You know what I mean? Um. And there's obviously there's still fans and obviously they still sell a ton of tickets and, you know, obviously they're still a good baseball team. But, you know, just from the outsider looking in at the casual baseball fan in Kansas City, 
it is like as fickle as you could ever imagine. It's so bizarre to mm-hmm. me. The like they just haven't penetrated the culture like KU basketball has, for an example. Yeah. You know what I mean? KU could lose every game and then still sell out every game. They probably need a more extensive winning period, which probably is not gonna come with the cyclical, yeah, probably not. the cyclical nature of baseball nowadays, but I'm sure there are some Royals fans that suffered through those long periods of losing. You know, they they were able to experience the jubilation of winning the World Series, and I hope to, I oh, view myself to as... Sure. To be sure. I mean, that's one of the... I mean, that's the thing in life is those fans that weren't necessarily, necessarily around and jumped in. We know when the Royals were good and they won, I mean, how... You know, how meaningful really was that to those people who didn't really suffer through the uh, losing years and don't, doesn't really know the extents or the, the depths of the roster or the minor leagues or anything like that. They're just like, oh, the Royals are good. Let's let's jump on, and I'm suddenly a Royals fan now. But <clears throat> that is, it's interesting. I'm, I'm sure that's not the only place where that happens, but it's a place where you've where you live and you get to experience that. Um, it's definitely much different here in Philadelphia. It's the, all of the sports teams are so ingrained. So even when the teams are terrible, they probably get talked about more in those regards because everyone's an expert and everyone knows how to fix the team, but definitely. I hate those people. Yeah. I mean, I'm one of those people, but I'm just not as vocal about it, I guess. Yeah, but you're you're not, you're not a jerk about it. That's That's, yeah, that's true, but. You're not the person that calls into the sports radio station and cusses out the general manager no. telling them how they should do their job. No, definitely not, but you're too you're too mild-mannered and considerate for such a thing. I do get frustrated um with certain of my favorite franchises more than others. My confidence level is higher and it's higher than it was in the Reds now than it used to be because we have new management, but We've yet to see the results, so hopefully that changes soon. But, yeah, the Royals have become a bit of a factor again. Uh, I was, I'm a little surprised by that. I didn't see the, where they were in the cycle, and, you know, I guess the, it makes sense in that all those players are playing for contracts next year, so it's kind of a perfect storm there where you have your stars who, um, you know, they want to get paid next year, so. It will be very interesting to watch. Uh, the The GM and me is very interested to see how the Royals, where they go from here after this year, when they lose some of those pieces, and how they, you know, fill in the gaps, you know, short term and long term, and um, as they begin to re- rebuild their farm system. But definitely, I mean, for them, a nice little trade where. You know, if you're if you only lose a couple prospects that aren't, you know, definitely risks to even succeed in the majors to get some short term pieces that could could help. I mean, they definitely they didn't handicap themselves any more than they were. So so that was that was one of the first ones, and then the you'll you'll notice a theme here of Jaime Garcia <laughs> on twenty fourth. The Braves traded uh, him and a Triple A catcher to the Twins. For a low, uh, for a low rookie ball pitcher who has some upside, but long way away. So interesting. Um, first of all, that Jaime Garcia was that uh, desired to 
even be traded for. And then to get a nice little um, rookie ball pitcher was definitely curious of note. And then I'll go ahead and jump ahead. Harmy Garcia was traded again um, <laughs> yesterday. I missed this. Yeah, he was traded. Uh, it was actually this morning. He was traded to the Yankees. Oh, to the Yankees for yeah. a couple for a couple of minor league pitchers who were in Triple A and Double A. I think the Double A pitcher has a little bit more um, prospect pedigree than the other guy. But so the Twins were able to turn. Huascar Enoa yeah, into yikes into three two pitchers and a catcher of minor league. They so they turned a rookie ball guy into three into two double A's and or three so oh my gosh two triple A and one double A player. That's pretty good business. And they also got a I would assume and they also got a quality start out of Jaime Garcia. <laughs> so I that this is one of those things. There's a couple of trades in here. I'm just like. Like what is like why like I don't understand. Most of the time you can, you can see some um, rationale behind some moves, but <clears throat> I mean Jaime Garcia is he's been an okay pitcher. He's been a guy that's had like shoulder problems pretty much every single year. Like he was always okay with the um, with the Cardinals, but he was like he seemed like he was hurt every single year, and. You know, he's pitched okay for the Braves this year, mid four ERA, nothing amazing. So he gets traded to he gets traded to the twins and then they flip him one one start later, they flip him to the Yankees. So that uh I guess the Yankees really wanted a lefty starter. So that was kinda weird. Um, but good on the twins. Uh, I guess yeah, and this week they really with the surge of Kansas City and some of the other teams, they've, I think they were a little bit more realistic in that. Maybe we're not going to compete this year, so we're gonna we're gonna sell uh, Jaime Garcia because he doesn't really mean anything to us if we're not going to be competitive. So, yeah, it seems smart to yeah. me. I mean, you know, get get what you can, and if what you can do is turn a rookie ball player into two triple A and one double A player, then. By all means, you're at least accelerating potentially the the rate at which your younger guys are coming up. Braves should have maybe you know? held on to him a little longer. They could have gotten a... Well, but you never know if the Braves and the Yankees would have made a deal. You don't, but you know? they the Braves have been known... I, they're a little bit more aggressive, and they, <clears throat> you know, they'll, they'll seek to get deals done rather than wait for the best offer. So you just don't know. Um, I, I would be interested to know the relationships between all the GMs because you know that plays a factor. Uh, oh, depending for sure. on That's why certain teams do certain business. Right. So like the Cardinals and Astros, I'm pretty fascinated by that trading relationship because of, you know, Lou Howe was... Um, because of the Cardinals like legally... Well, first of all, yeah. The they, Astros and... <laughs> they illegally hacked them. <laughs> Stealing their stuff, uh, yeah. yeah. The uh, the Astros GM came up with the Cardinals, um, so he knows them pretty well. Um, another thing was that were the Reds when Walt Jockety was there. You know, he was fired by um, the Cardinals basically because that guy, the Jeff Lee Luau, coming up with the Astros or coming up with the Cardinals, got hired by the Astros. Like that new wave of new thought was a big reason why he was fired. So I don't think there's a ton of 
warm feelings between those two. So that was always brought up whenever, you know, when the Reds had Cueto and some of those other big pieces as to why the Astros wouldn't be at the top of that list because Jockety wouldn't necessarily want to see the Astros succeed. So I just, I don't know. I would, I would be interested to know, you know, I would see most guys who are going to keep professional, like they, you're not going to let a personal beef keep you from making a trade that would help you. But I guarantee you that there are some trades that don't happen because one GM either doesn't like another one or does not want to see them succeed. So I don't know. No idea how that works. I would never really been in those conversations, obviously, but definitely human element that you don't really think about or know that goes into all of this. So, <clears throat> um, another trade, um, Eduardo Nunez was traded to the Red Sox from the Giants who got a couple, um, lower level pitchers. So Nunez coincided with the Red Sox called up Rafael Devers. I think that was, we talked about that last week, but he, um, the Yankee or the Red Sox kind of struck out on Frazier. So the Red Sox have had, I think, the worst production and the second most errors from the third race position so far this year. So they're going to turn to their top prospect and um, play him, but also Nunez can um, play. So they'll probably play Devers against righties as a lefty and then play Nunez against lefties to protect their you know, um, protect their rookie, their 20-year-old rookie from um, <clears throat> being exposed or putting too much pressure on him. But Nunez is a good utility player that, you know, when the Giants traded for him last year, he was able to provide some position flexibility and, you know, a pretty good bat to be able to hit against a, a lefty. So they're going to go ahead with that combo at third, looks like, moving forward. And um, didn't necessarily have to, you know, he's not a huge name. They didn't have to give up a ton. Uh, the Brewers and White Sox made a trade. Both those White, White Sox, especially, have been pretty active. But uh, Brewers got Anthony Swarzak, a good reliever, to add to their bullpen um, for a Triple A outfielder, Ryan Cordell, who, from what I've heard, has got some talent, but may not have a true position at this point, um, and needs a little bit more refining. So he's a bit of a wild card if the. Sox could use and take a little bit more time to develop, whereas the Brewers have a ton of outfield prospects, so they don't really, he doesn't factor into their plans a ton, so um, I'll just run through a, a few of these other ones quickly. Uh, the Rockies got Pat Neshek from the Phillies uh, for a trio of um, A minor leaguers, um, so lower a lower level acquisition and Rental and Nishak, who's been on, seems like, several teams the last two or three years, but always, you know, fairly effective. Um, so the Rockies were able to add to their bullpen. <clears throat> um, the Rays traded for Dan Jennings and gave up a, a Casey Gillespie, who was a first-round pick in 2015, but is definitely, um, his stock has fallen and He's not a he's a first baseman that doesn't have a ton of power and is not very good defensively, so he'll need a bit of refinement. And then um, Lucas Duda also went to the Rays, so the Rays are adding pieces here. Um, Duda went to the Rays, and then they also got Steve Shisek. 
um, from the Mariners for Erasmo Ramirez. So pretty sure that the Rays traded Erasmo Ramirez to, or the Mariners traded him to the Rays a couple years ago, and then the Rays just traded him back. So that's an interesting deal as well. Um, Howie Kendrick went to the Nationals, and um, A.J. Ramos went to the Mets. That's interesting, interdivisional trade. So there's a couple here. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. But So the Mets are not really in it at all. So they traded for a closer. He's got a year and a half left on his deal. They gave up a couple mm-hmm. um, decent prospects, um, but... From what I've heard is their prospects that have to be put on the 40-man this offseason. So I guess the Mets saw them as players that were, you know, um, Mirandi Gonzalez is in high A and Ricardo Cespedes is in short-season rookie ball. So definitely not players that they probably are going to put on the 40-man, but they could lose in the draft. So I guess they, they made the trade thinking, well, we may lose them anyways. We might as well get something for them even if it really doesn't do anything for them this year because they're adding a closer when they're not very good and then Jeremy Hellickson the Orioles traded for Jeremy Hellickson who is not very good and also the <laughs> Orioles are not anywhere close and he's a rent so the Orioles traded for a rental and they are not going to make the playoffs so it was a weird that those two are weird kind of weird trades that you don't really see happen because you know you got your buyers who are teams that actually have a chance to make and the both of those teams don't have any chance to make the playoffs and they're making accusations now the Orioles didn't really give up anything for them but that was just a very like I don't know it just seemed like a trade that wasn't um there was no value really for either side well so I see what you're saying but I have to believe that if the trade happened, there was some sort of reason for it to happen. I don't think they just make trades because they're bored. I know that. You know, that's just too much paperwork. I'm struggling to find... <laughs> As a person who follows this and um, feels like I know the players, like even them, and I'm definitely not the only one. We're searching for reasons. So, okay, so you're saying that A.J. Ramos is just a rental for this season. No, he's... That one makes a little bit more sense. Oh, Hellickson. Hellickson's the, the one where I'm just like, I don't understand. Yeah, so so the Mets are dropping two guys that have to make the 40 next year that probably weren't going to make the 40. That makes sense. Plus, they pick up a piece for next year. Okay, fine. I'm cool with that. You're making, you're making a wise decision in adding a guy that will be, you know, a piece and getting rid of two guys that needed to be that wouldn't have been. So that's cool. But yeah, the Helixon one, he's just a rental. So I have to imagine that it's either um, they know something about the players they got rid of that other people don't, or it was strictly a cash scenario in the sense of they're going to they're gonna drop Kim's contract, Clevenger's contract, and Helixon's contract all in the offseason because they have something else they want to do with that money moving forward. Mm-hmm. Those would be my two thoughts. And so maybe they were looking for a guy like Hellickson who isn't who isn't top end anything, but he is kind of a known entity, but they can they can move some pieces, drop his contract at at the end of the season, 
and then just kind of you know use that money for something honestly else. i think or those roster the spots. orioles starters have been so bad i think they're just like we just are so tired of watching this crap every single night like they're just they're trying to get like any sort of competent pitcher to put in there that they can and they didn't give up so it's not like a all the Phillies actually they didn't give up anything like <clears throat> um the pitcher that they got is 23 and has a 628 ERA in double A so and he's also walked 23 guys in 38 innings which is not good and um Hyun Soo Kim they signed him from Korea um before last season for a two-year seven million dollar deal so it's not like a uh he wasn't getting any playing time. So, I mean, he might get a little bit of playing time in Philly, but I honestly think it was, there was probably some cash benefits in there, but I think the Orioles were just like, we have pride. We are so tired of seeing Ubaldo Jimenez and Chris Tillman <laughs> out there every five days. So we're going to put Jeremy Hellickson in his 473 ERA with 65 strikeouts and 112 innings so um basically four strikeouts per nine we're gonna put him out there and um that's better than the alternative for the last two months of the year i don't know and he knows i guess he knows the al east as a someone who came up with the race but i hope i hope they didn't waste too much of their lives negotiating that trade because <laughs> In the long run, probably not going to have a ton of significance. So, two more trades um, to cover quickly. The Royals, again, um, made a trade with the White Sox. Uh, the Royals got Melky Cabrera um, to add <clears throat> to their team. Well, I was trying to think if Melky had played for the Royals again, but I don't think he had. He's played for... Oh, that's... Ah, I'm gonna have to double check on that. You can you continue. I'll look that up. Um, they got a the White Sox got a kid named AJ Puckett who was a second round pick in the draft last year that has a little bit of um, potential there. But I was trying to maybe I was getting another outfielder mixed up. But no, he played for them in 2011. That's right. Okay, so that I think that was the year after the he played for the Yankees, right? No, so he was the Yankees, and then he went to Atlanta for a year, um, and he went to Kansas City for a year, then he went to San Francisco for a year, and then he was in Toronto and Chicago. People really, either he he is not really well-liked, or he's just had bad luck and not being able to stick with the team. Well, he was on the Yankees for five years, and the White Sox were three, but yeah, then it's been one, 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 two yeah. for the other teams. So that's that's interesting. Um, <clears throat> so they'll we'll see where he fits in. Orioles don't. I mean, they have a um, they've got some pieces in the outfield, but we'll see how he fits in. And then a trade that just came across the wire actually: Jonathan Lucroy was traded to the Rockies for a player to be named later. So we don't know what they got back for them yet, but. Luke Roy, if you remember, he was a big deal last year when he was actually, he's been terrible this year. So I don't really know what's happened to him, but he was in the, you know, the the deal that he got traded to the Indians. And then he, a day later, said, nope, I don't want to go there. So they 
nix that deal and then he was in he ended up being traded to the the rangers but yeah he's he's having a really rough year and it's not really necessarily been injury related he's just um just had a down year so we'll see what um going to the rockies will do um for his offensive potential moving forward but I mean, player to be well. I mean, if if there's ever a yeah, if there's ever a park that's gonna improve your your you know your power numbers, it's probably. Course. I think he's still. I mean, he's he's still a decent defensive catcher, so he'll have value in that regard. But you know, player to be named later doesn't necessarily mean they're not getting anything. <clears throat> they they could have a list of decent guys to choose from, but for whatever reason, that's the route that they went through on this. But. I mean, well, that... but I also feel like if I'm the guy that gets traded for a player to be named later, like that's a death sentence for your career. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're so bad that they couldn't even decide on which bad guy to trade you for. They'll just figure it out later when things are less stressful. <laughs> yeah, maybe we're like, we don't. That's kind of how I view that, maybe you know? We don't have time to make this decision now. Just like we have such low value for this guy that we trust you that later on you'll give us a, a, a comparable deal like that's what that screams to me well i think in this you know, case you is... never you never see top guys getting traded for a player renamed later it's like no here's seven prospects we'd like him please. i think they they make the lists like in advance like they the um the rangers know what the list is but they just have a certain amount of time to make the decision i guess right but then again here's a list of players that you're not like like the point that, that they don't have to decide right away it's kind of like shows the lack of value around the entire trade is like okay you want him well give us a list we'll do our like we don't have we don't even have the pressure to do our due diligence ahead of time <laughs> we'll just take your list we'll peruse it at a later date we'll get back to you it's all good we know where you play baseball it's fine but it's just funny to me that that's even a thing he has definitely you know? fallen from grace in the last year yeah, it can't feel good to be the guy on the other end of a player named later trade. Yeah. Well, the, it worked out well for the Brewers. They got they traded him and Jared Jeffress to the Rangers, and they ended up getting Lewis Brinson in, in that deal, who's a top 20 sh- uh, prospect and who probably is their center fielder of the future. So they traded him at the right time. So, so yeah, that's our... Those are a quick run through of the trades that have happened so far, um, but they'll they'll definitely be more over the next uh, day or so. Like I said, so just to note a few of where um, or kind of what people have been talking about. So th- this one is pertinent to you. The Tigers closer Justin Wilson <clears throat> is a hot name, and I just read a tweet before we got on here that the um, that the likelihood of that trade seemed to be more. Uh, yeah, likely. So I guess the offers have been improved. So as the market relief market begins to settle, um, his name seems to be towards the top of teams' wish lists, and a lot of that's because he is not a rental. They he's an arbitration three guy next year, so he um, has some value in that regard. So for your sake, I'm really rooting for a good return for the Tigers that they did not get in the JD Martinez trade. So. I'm rooting for that to happen and for you guys to get a couple nice pieces out of that. So um, I know it'd be frustrating for you as a Tigers fan when you finally have a good reliever in your bullpen and a good closer. 
but don't think the Tigers are going to be competing next year, so having a good closer on a non-winning team doesn't make a lot of sense. So, Well, okay, so I, I understand what you're saying, but the counterpoint to that is a good closer can help you win games throughout the season that might make your team more competitive than it would be with a terrible closer. Potentially. True, you know. Now, there's obviously, there's obviously some games you're not going to be in because you're outscored by quite a bit, but... Unless, unless their, their plan is not, in my estimation, is not to load up to go for it next year, they're probably their plan is we've you know, got to get rid of some of these bad contracts. We've got to get younger. So they know it's going to take a few years. So, And to be honest, Wilson is probably one of their better pieces because... Verlander is he's great and all but he's owed a ton of money still and so same thing with Cabrera so that's a big aspect of these trades is the money and teams just there's not a ton of teams that can take on that amount of money owed on those deals so that's why he's probably the most valuable piece to be able to get something good back well yeah and and I get that I'm just afraid that they're going to not get back what I would like them to get back. And that's based solely on the J.D. Martinez trade. True, and I think you have... I understand why you feel that way, but <clears throat> I would feel more, feel more confident in your case because he's not a rental. So that's the market has proven out that rentals haven't really... No team has gotten much for a rental, whereas the teams that... They're the players that are traded that are on the teams for more than a year have actually gotten something decent in return. So that's changed yeah. a little bit this year from the past. So and pitching is a different animal too. I mean everyone This is this is everyone true. has is there's only three outfield spots. In JD Martinez's case, he can only play corner outfield, so whereas pitchers, like you never can have enough pitchers, so Well and there's no saying that the Tigers won't try and pull what the Yankees did and rent Martinez to a team and then sign him in the offseason. I don't think it's gonna happen, but That would be awesome if they did. It's possible. And if that's the case, then we get three few players and maybe one of them turns out to be decent. But the Tigers I'm not getting I'm not getting my hopes. The Tigers are another team I'm really interested to see what they do. Um because they're I don't think they're ever gonna be a full on tank to rebuild because there's they're not a small enough market. Like they can, they need, but they do need to add. They need to improve their farm system. They need some younger pieces. They need to get younger. Like their, their core is getting older. Oh, for sure. So. Yeah, for for sure. And I really do think it depends on what they can get for Verlander and Cabrera with those giant contracts. But for you, what's been helpful for me as a Reds fan when we've been so terrible is, you know, it's fun to learn the players in your farm system and track their careers and. Um, you can see the players that have the, a ton of potential who succeed well in those, those those lower levels and work their way up, and it makes it a little bit more bearable to have a team in the majors that's not so good. So, trying to keep you trying to keep you positive. Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> you know. So, all right. Well, a few things. Like I said, um, Sonny Gray seems to be a hot name, one of the top pitching starting pitching options on the market who is under contract for a few more years after this year, which is why. Um, he seems to be connected to the Yankees a bunch. Um, I think the 
they're in a bit of a standstill. I think the Yank or the A's want um, a ton of value for him, which they should. So we'll see as the deadline gets closer who blinks. I mean, the A's theoretically could say, well, we'll wait until the winter to trade him. Um, but there's risk in him getting hurt or his, he's had a good year so far, but his, he did not have a good year last year. So if he starts bottoming out, um, you're going to, this probably would have been viewed as the time to do that. So the Yankees aren't, they're not keen to trade really good prospects. Um, if you look in the, the past there, they want to feel good about their trades. Um, even when they traded Brick Rutherford last week, you know, he's a top 100 prospect, but he's not, um, he's not as viewed as being a can't miss guy. So I don't, they're not going to trade Glaber Torres or Clint Frazier for him. I would be shocked if they do that. Um, but they do have a deep farm system. They could still pull it off. But um, if I'm the A's, I definitely would want a couple really good pieces for him because of his value. So we'll see if the, the Yankees pony up or if they pivot and begin to use other teams as leverage to try to get a deal done. So... Um, you know, the Dodgers are in some discussions with that in that one as well as you Darvish because Clayton Kershaw is going to be out for a month or two here, which is big for them, but they have a big enough lead where they can kind of wait for him to get healthy, but they could use a, another starter or two to, to pair with Kershaw in the playoffs. <clears throat> and then that would be very interesting to see. That would be very interesting so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, Zach Britton, who was a stud last year, he's been dealing with some inconsistency and in injuries this year. He's also on the trade market, but the Orioles aren't necessarily motivated to get rid of him if they don't have to. Um, and with his uneven performance, not necessarily sure if play, teams are going to want to give up a ton to get him, but Definitely a big name. I mean, it's a guy that's removed from having, you know, one of the best relieving seasons that um, we've seen. So we'll see if he gets moved. And um, it's not looking good for the Tigers to trade Verlander. He's just owed too much money. And um, teams don't want to necessarily part with a ton of their top prospects and pay him. 28 million dollars a year through 2019 so it's understandable why that that market hasn't really materialized unless the tigers were going to pay some of that salary which if i'm the tigers i'm like why do I, why would i do that um so there's there's a few names there we'll see um we'll see what happens but i would say sunny gray is it's is one to look at uh, for tomorrow and then some relievers um and also you Darvish, that's one that could happen too. That could be a pretty big boon for whoever gets him as a, a guy with some pretty good stuff. So it's exciting. I love the trade, trade deadline day. The Reds aren't going to be near as active this year just because they don't really have the pieces to sell off like they've had in the past. But it's nice knowing that they have their young guys. They just need to get them up and ready. So we will see what happens. Indeed. I'll hopefully not have to cry too much tomorrow <laughs> i hope they get a good deal if they do i'll text you and i'll tell you about their prospects to to help you make you feel better yeah let me let me down easy i appreciate that
I'm I'm here for you, man. Cool. Well, I think that uh, that brings us nicely to the end of episode 38. Anything else you want to say, Nicholas? Um, nope. I think I'm good. We'll uh, see you next week. All right. See ya. Bye.